Thanks for listening to the Best of Coast to Coast podcast. Become a Coast Insider, and you can hear this complete conversation as well as recent shows featuring guests discussing new cases of the troubling cattle mutilation phenomenon, worrisome instances of clandestine CIA torture, and the evidence that the lost city of Atlantis may have really once existed. Check out these programs and many other fascinating episodes waiting for you in the Coast to Coast Archive by heading over to coasttocoastam.com and signing up for Coast Insider. Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you this Christmas night. Uh, it's getting into the morning, the wee hours. It's uh, Christmas past in many time zones now. Kieran Anderson back with us, a professional animal communicator, psychic medium from the eastern Washington area. She discovered that she had psychic abilities and could talk to the animals at a very young age. Kieran surrounded herself with many beloved animals over the years, learned how to understand their thoughts and feelings. Now, as her career path took her into the Rocky Mountains of Colorado, Karen realized that her psychic skills enabled her to read the energy of suspects and criminals that she dealt with while she was a deputy sheriff in Bailey, Colorado. A couple of her latest works include The Amazing Afterlife of Animals and, of course, Hear All the Creatures. Karen, Merry Christmas to you. How was your day? Hi, George. Merry Christmas to you as Pretty good so far. Pretty good. Thanks for asking. Oh, well, so far it's going to get even better by the time this interview's on and off tonight. I hope so. so. I'm ready. So tell me a little bit about your work as a deputy deputy sheriff. That's amazing. Yeah, well, that's where it all started to come back to me. Of course, I could understand the animals when I was a little kid, and I would have silly little conversations with them. Um, but it wasn't until I was actually a, a deputy that I had to start to rely on my intuitive abilities. And if you know any cops out there, most of the good cops will have a natural gut instinct about things. And uh, they call it a gut instinct. They won't call it their intuition. Um, But it's pretty much the same thing. And I had to rely on my gut instincts, my intuition, because I worked in a mountain district. And sometimes the nearest backup car was half an hour, 45 minutes away. So I had to work smarter, and I had to really pay attention to the energy of the suspects on crime scenes. Did you have to see them, or you felt them? No, I could just, I started to read body language and the energy, and you start watching people, and you watch their eyes and their movements, and you begin to read the energy. And For instance, if you've ever walked into a room after two people have been arguing, even if they're not arguing anymore, you know, the energy is so thick in that room, you could cut it like a knife. So that's the kind of energy that I'm talking about. I would start to read the energy that was going on on a crime scene, and information started to come through to me. And that's when I discovered that animals could share information as to what actually happened before I got there. That is uh, dramatic all by itself. Well, we're going to talk about a lot of things that deal with the amazing afterlife of animals, Karen, uh, because truly many of us who have owned pets uh, over the years have this incredible attachment with them. They become family, don't they? They do, and they are. And I think some of us have felt a greater loss when we have lost a pet than even when we have some of our human loved ones. Uh, We are so closely connected to our pets. I know I am. I'm sure you are too, George. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Now, tell us 
how this transition occurred for you from being the deputy sheriff, you know, feeling the suspects and the criminals and their energy, then evolving into the animal world? Well, it was uh, it was kind of a snowball um, type of situation that happened. When I would arrive on the scene of a crime, for instance, um, a domestic violence call, one particular story that stands out for me, uh, I was interviewing the victim, and she had been abused by her live-in boyfriend, and he had taken off on foot and was gone. There were two other deputies looking for him at the time, but I was back with the victim, and this little kitty came walking through the front yard where we were standing and walked over to a storage shed that was right next to the house. And I happened to look over at the cat, and I'm a, I'm a cat lover, I'm an animal lover, so of course I'm going to notice a, a cat on the scene. And the cat walked over to the storage shed, looked right at me, looked right at the shed, and I heard the words, inside heard it in my head and I thought well how can that be that shed's already been checked is that cat telling me that the suspect is in that shed so I went over to the shed and with my weapon drawn I ordered the suspect to come out with their hands up and sure enough he was in there wow so that's when it all started to snowball and I did what you did I went wow (laughs) oh my gosh and um, and I started to rely more and more on what the animals could tell me because I found that they're way more honest than the human eyewitnesses. <laughs> they tell me exactly what's going on, and they don't try to cover things up. You know, if you interview humans, they try to backtrack and cover things up, and so the animals were always very forthcoming with their information, and they would tell me openly and honestly what what was going on or what happened within their ability, of course. It wasn't like talking to a human. You know, I'd get images. They'd flash images to me, or I'd hear words, or even on one particular call that I went on, the female victim made it look like her husband had abused her, hmm. and she called 911. Well, it was actually the opposite way. She had attacked the husband. Jeez. Well, she did, yes. But she put, um, she cut herself and she put marks on her arm to make it look like he hit her and that he hurt her. And her story wasn't adding up. And they had a couple of animals on the scene there at the house. And so I just checked in with them. I asked them what happened, and they showed me that she was the aggressor, not the husband, as she had portrayed it. So just putting together the facts and the information that I got from the animals along with the statements from the victim and the so-called suspects, I was able to figure out what really happened. You know, there there are stories, and this is not necessarily uh, psychic, but there are stories of parrots, for example, who mimic so much that they've been able to mimic the sounds of, let's say, scuffles in a house or a murder that has occurred. And some police have actually used that, uh, you know, to go after the perpetrator. Well, why not? I mean, it's it's possible, and, it, and parrots are great at mimicking. And I've, I know which story you're talking about because I heard about that, too, where the bird kept 
um, saying what happened and kept mentioning, um, describing the scene that it saw. And, um, and made the sounds of yes. the, the scuffling that was going yes, on. Yes, yes, like yes, yes. I heard about that story. And see, that just fascinates me. That's, to me, that's just incredible. But it's an untapped source of information. And they give the information willingly if you're able to understand them like I can and gather that information. And, um, and, and why not? It, some information is better than zero information, especially when you're a police officer. If you've got nothing... You know, you're going to look for whatever possible source of information you can to solve one of your cases. You know, there's no question that people who have had animals and get attached to them as pets, and I'm talking primarily pets at home, of course, that, uh, you know, you know when you look in the eyes of your dog or cat, and I've been a dog owner all my life, uh, Karen, so not uh, we've had one cat over the years, but... So I speak primarily as someone who has owned uh, dogs, Labradors primarily, a couple Huskies too. But that you look at them, you know they can f- sense you. And, the, and, and they, the, they, they look at you, sometimes the way they look at you and tilt their head. But they know what's going on, don't they? Oh, yes, they do. And it's amazing how much information they know about us. Now, on, on a big scale, it's hard for them to take in big concepts. Um, but overall, they can describe to me if there's stress in the household. They can describe to me if there's illness in the household. I get from the animals if there's an imbalance, even um, mental illnesses. Um, they can share that with me. Now, the, that looking at you and that tilting of the head that you're talking about, um, the reason they do that is because as you are at home with them and having a thought run through your mind, it might be, oh gosh, maybe I have to feed the dogs, it's getting about dinner time, or maybe it's time to take the dogs out for a walk, or whatever it is that you're thinking. As you're thinking those things, they're playing out in your mind like a mini-movie, and the animals are able to tune in to that mini-movie, and they pay attention to the parts that involve them, such as food and treats and going for walks and all that fun stuff, and that's what you're seeing as they're tilting their heads and they're looking at you. That's what they're doing. They're, they're reading your mind. Those little images that are flashing through your mind, they can pick up on. Those are energetic messages, and that's what they send me. Now, you also, and we're going to talk a little bit about the work, The Amazing Afterlife of Animals. These are messages and signs from the pets on the other side. But we're talking right now about pets that are alive and so tell me that feeling, that sense that you get when they try to communicate with you. How, how does it come into you? How do you know your vivid imagination, for example, hasn't kicked in? Right. And, you know, that's part of the learning process is exactly that. You have to eliminate, you know, what is my imagination and, and what is truth or what is accurate information. And it really comes over time and practice. And I've been doing this for over 20 years now, and in that time, I have communicated with you know, thousands and thousands of animals. And over time, I start to see patterns of how they will send information to me. And I'm able to take that information and relay it back to their human, and their human is the one that validates the information for me. I'm really just the middleman. 
So I'm taking the information from the animal, the energetic information, and it can be in the form of a, um, like a mini movie, like I said, or an image. They can flash something to me. I can get a feeling, a happiness, sadness, anxiety. I can get all kinds of feelings from them. And then I turn around and relay that information to their human, and based on what the animals are sharing with me, I can translate that message and the human will tell me, yes, that's exactly what they do, or that's what I did, or that's what I had for lunch today, or whatever the information was. It doesn't always make sense to me, but it will make sense to their human. When you, when you call your, your pet by its name, does it know the name, or how has it associated the name with whatever you're calling? Well, they know their names. They like their nicknames better because they tell me that the nickname is, like, full of love. So you might have, like, the first name that you gave your pet, you know, whatever it was. Like my first cat that I had as an adult, his name was Monroe, but I used to call him Mau Mau. Well, he loved the nickname Mau Mau because when I said it, I said it with so much love. So they like that because it, it comes from a place of love. So it's not so much the name, but it's everything that goes behind it, the feelings, the emotions. That's what they're cueing into. And also the tone, how you say it. They're very keyed, cued into the tone of voice. When you were working cases as a deputy sheriff with animals involved, I mean, what did your colleagues think? I didn't <laughs> tell them. Aha! Uh-huh. I knew it! <laughs> um, you know, it was something I, uh, I kept under wraps. And I was trying to figure it out myself at the time, and I was kind of boggled by the whole thing, like, how can this be happening? And, oh, my gosh, is this really, am I getting this information? And it kept turning out to be accurate. And, you know, I never let on to anybody. In fact, if they're listening tonight, they're sitting there going, well, she never told me. Of course not. I didn't tell you. Like, that would have gone over well. You know, cops need evidence. We need proof. You know, if it doesn't hold up in court, you don't have a case. So it's not necessarily something that you're going to bring to your colleagues and go, hey, guys, guess what? The resident cat just told me that the bad guy's hiding out in the shed. You know, that wouldn't have gone over very well. So, no, I didn't tell them. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.